Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. Welcome back to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. This is Isla, your host, founder, and CEO of the Millennial Nutritionist. And today I have Catherine with me. Um, we're going to break down what eating out for weight loss or even just like overall health can feel like. I have a lot of clients sometimes who um, may not care about like losing weight when they're going out to eat, but they at least just like don't want to feel bad coming out of it. And we can still have some habits set in place so you don't like have stomach ache or feel like you're going out of control there. So we're going to talk about that today. But welcome back to the podcast, Catherine. Thanks for having me, Isla. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Well, kind of catch me up on things are going. So are you coming out of like your travel high of your trip? Are you doing anything else this year? Yes, I know the travel high is the best. Um, Yeah, back to the normal routine. Um, The weather is warming up here. So lots of nice evenings sitting outside to eat, which I love and walks. The days are longer, which is awesome. Um, This summer, we're going to go to the beach as well. So that will be a fun little getaway. Where do people from Ohio go to the beach? Hilton Head is like the classic. We went really? to like Isle of Palms in like outside of Charleston for a while, uh-huh. um, like wild dunes area. But now Hilton Head is like a classic place to go from Ohio. I'm not really sure why, because everywhere is so far, but the Carolinas are obviously closer than like um, South Florida to drive to. So okay. that's why the Carolinas are more popular. Yeah. You know, I like literally just posted something about this on my personal Instagram today. Um, moving to Texas, I didn't realize so many people associate the Carolinas with the beach. Cause I keep telling people I'm from North Carolina. They're like, Oh, I love the beach. I'm like, I didn't know that's the first thing that came to people's head. Did you realize that? Cause you went out of state to North Carolina to school. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like South Carolina a little bit more, yeah. um, at least from where I'm from, people would go there more typically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. and I'm like, I went to school in North Carolina. They're like, oh my gosh, we're at the beach all the time. <laughs> An hour and a half away. But yeah, exactly. Um, or I get Asheville a lot. Did you ever make it up to Asheville when you went to stay? I mean, yeah. or Meredith? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I went a few times and then it's actually not super, super far because it's more West. It's closer to Ohio. So um, it's only like a six hour drive, five and a half, honestly. Oh. So Gotcha. Gotcha. Went back from Hilton Head last summer or two summers ago. We actually stopped and like did a night there, which was fun. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't think we're doing anything. We like, I keep saying everybody I know got like married uh, or engaged when we left. So we're going back like once a month for a bunch of weddings, which is fine. (laughs) Um, But that'll be like all we do this summer. Um, But what about like food? I always think it's like people probably get tired of like, just looking at my, what I eat a day is you also do like what I eat a day. So I always mean to share that, but have you been like loving any new foods recently? Um, Or are you kind of sticking the same stuff? I always love grilling this time of year. So, um, or I should say, I always love when my husband grills this time of year. (laughs) 
Um, so that's always fun. And then just like fresh produce, actually tonight for dinner, we had lentils, um, as part of the meal. And I feel like I always, I'm never that amazing at cooking them because I don't cook them all the time. Mm -hmm. And I always think of, um, Neomons across from Meredith, their lentils were so Mm -hmm. good. I cannot recreate them to perfection, but anyways, they're such good protein, such good fiber. And so, um, I added those to my meal tonight. So that was a fun little switch up. Oh, wait. So how'd you make them? Or did you just like, just boil them and add them in? Yeah, I just, um, boiled them and did seasoning and we had like, um, chicken in the air fryer and mushrooms and salad. So easy, but it was good. Yeah. And you're like the queen of our like easy foods. I'm like very into all the intricate things. So I always get like weird to show my recipes. Cause I like to spend like two or three hours, like making stuff. Yeah. You're just like, um, get it done, but you still like cooking, right? You just like making yeah. stuff or stuff. I love cooking. Um, and sometimes I will definitely spend more time on a recipe, but just like logistically with time after work and life and everything. Like I typically, if I can get a meal done in mm-hmm. 30 minutes or less, it's ideal. I should. I, I should too. I feel like inspired ever since we talked. I don't remember when it was. And you're like, I just keep rotation of meals. I always think in my, my head that it sounds so simple. And I need to do that. Cause sometimes I'm like, I don't want to make this two hour meal. Um, and I need to do that more. <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, it's more like spring summer rotation too. Oh. Um, and so that helps. So like, it's not, I never feel like it's the same thing over and over again. So that helps. Oh. So are those like spring summer recipes, like the grilling recipes you're saying? Yeah, more grilling or like more salads. Mm-hmm. I do less like soups or curries during the summertime just because it's hot. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, we're going to um, talk about an article first before we kind of dive into the restaurants. Um, I want to start kind of agonizing as a segment and kind of see how it goes. So um, today there's nothing like super like pop culture to talk about, but I found this like interesting article that came out recently um, where they're talking about like a new study that came out shows that a third of Pinterest articles about cancer are incorrect. And they talk a lot about these like cancer recipes. Cause at first I thought they were ads. Like you see those like crazy ads, but I think they're just talking about like the recipes unless you read differently. Cause I kind of just skimmed it. Um, and they say a lot of times it's like to sell products. Um, but isn't that crazy? Did you know that? No, I did not know that. I, um, teach cooking classes too here locally at a cancer support center um and that is like questions I get all the time like I read this on there I read this on there like can this cure I heard that if I take this supplement or buy this thing or eliminate this entire food group from my diet that it will cure my cancer um and so like if we had the cure right like everyone would know about it um and so I think yeah it's just sad right because people are being taken advantage of and like if that was me I would want anything that could possibly help. And I would spend any money, right. To try and cure something if it was me or someone I love. And so like, I think it's just sad, right. That there's so much misinformation. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. Like it's a super vulnerable, vulnerable population. I think even like worse than weight loss. Cause I think weight loss is really similar. And that's why there's so much like misinformation. Cause people sometimes are willing to just like spend any amount of money. I've been on clients that are like, if you have a doctor that's like in a different state, I would fly out there. Um, but, um, cancer is really sad because like, it's really life or death. So, um, I think that's sad. What are, um, like, what are questions that people ask you about cancer in the class? Do you remember any like common questions? Yeah. Like turmeric supplements, cinnamon, garlic, mm-hmm. um, which obviously all those things have great antioxidant properties, but not necessarily like a cure-all. Um, a lot of stuff about sugar, like that, like cancer loves sugar, don't eat any sugar, 
even in fruit, anything like that. Um, and then just like different supplements that are like um, immune boosting or like cell cancer cell killing, which again, like doctors and people all over the world are spending so much time researching, trying to cure this. So like one, you know, hundred dollar supplement on the internet is not going to do it. Um, yeah. So. Um, I get that a lot too. I, I have, I sure shared like one story on another podcast about a patient I had in the hospital. Yeah. Cause in the hospital, you, I would see all the time. And the sad thing is like a lot of people with cancer, they already have malnutrition and a lot of times it can get worse. And sometimes you need like the cause of death when you have cancer is cause it's hard to like catch up on it when you're burning so many more calories and then you don't have an appetite and all that stuff. And they were like not eating anything. Cause they had read that like everything online can make cancer worse. They're like, if I just starve it out, then I'll live. I was like, no, it's like the worst thing, but I feel like it also just like speaks to overall, like how there's just so much information out there. Um, and I feel like it just kind of like reminds me of just like being really wary of where people get information from, which I find is really, I mean, it's hard. Um, but I think definitely figuring out like where those sources are from, are they from like a org? Are they from like a university or well-respected like medical clinic or something? And if it's also from a registered dietitian too, is what I normally like recommend when people look at ads, do people ever, clients ever come to you and say like, Oh, well, like I see this online. What, what do you think of this? Like, what do you tell them when they say that? Yeah. So if it's something that I like know about already, then I will just speak to what I know about it. There definitely have been a few products that I'm like, I have not heard of that. Um, like there was one product that a client brought up to me that was, um, claiming to be only four calories, but being 20 grams of protein, um, which I'm like, that's impossible. Yes. Like, scientifically. So, <laughs> scientifically that is impossible. Um, and so anyways, for that product, like I just had them look it up and share their screen with me. And then we walked through like, okay, where's this website? Where's this information coming from? Um, and again, it was a product that was being sold by someone who was not, um, a, you know, medical provider mm -hmm. or dietitian or food scientist or anything like that. Um, it was like a bodybuilder. So anyways, we just kind of walked through that. And then there's other things, right. That there's like, there could be some compelling research about, right. It's not conclusive. That's the confusing part about nutrition is that like everything is, I feel like every nutrition study ends with, and we need more research, right? And so nutrition is a really hard thing to like just put in one uh, silo because there's so many other things that affect the outcomes that we're looking at. So if there's any sort of current research, I'll share that with them or I'll say like, hey, let me look into that and then I'll follow up with some different resources. But typically, unfortunately, it's mostly people trying to sell a product to make a profit. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's what kind of makes me so mad about, um, like, I don't know if you heard Pinterest too recently took off, um, like you can't do weight loss promotions or even like us as a business, we can't do paid promotions on Instagram or Google for weight loss. Um, because they're trying to do, uh, like improve, um, like these companies out there that are doing these scamming things, which are great, but it's also like quieting our voices. And so it's still kind of like leaving that, um, like it's not putting the right people in place, which I wish they would filter out. Maybe one day they'll get there and just let the most qualified people talk about these problems. But yeah, for now, I think just recommending to like work with somebody, you know, if you're working with a dietitian, ask them. Cause I get questions like that all the time. Like, uh, like when the, what did it came like the chlorophyll water came out? Did you, I don't know if you ever heard about that a while back on TikTok um, or like the, I feel like there was even like a black water. I can't remember what it was, um, charcoal water or something. Um, but yeah, this doesn't surprise me, unfortunately, that a lot of the studies are, or the, a lot of the um, articles on Pinterest are incorrect, but I think it just comes down to trying to figure out like a healthy source. 
Do you feel like you're tired of trying every new diet out there whenever you're ready to lose weight, but you never really find long-term success because it's either too restrictive or just not conducive to your lifestyle? Well, then let me tell you about our three-month lifestyle reset program. This is an individualized weight loss approach where you'll be going through our proven six-step method and you'll be led by a registered dietitian. By becoming a client of the program, you'll be able to learn how to control your weight, increase your energy and confidence, and also improve your overall well-being. Not to be dramatic, but a lot of clients tell us that they actually change their lives by going through the program and finally find a sustainable weight loss solution when they actually haven't found that with any other program. If you are interested in becoming a client, sign up for a discovery call on our website, themillennialnutritionist.com with me, Isla Garcia, and I'll help match you with one of our registered dietitian coaches based off of your challenges and their nutrition expertise. If you're ready to find a sustainable weight loss solution in a non-judgmental and encouraging environment, I hope you'll connect with us soon. So diving in to our topic, eating out at restaurants. So I thought you'd be great to talk about this because I feel like every time I see your Instagram, like you're just so social. I feel like, I feel like all the time you're out doing stuff. I'm like, dang, how does she like keep up with all that stuff all the time? And I feel like you'd be one good to talk about this. Um, and cause I feel like there's also overlap with being like busy. I know you work with a lot of our busy moms. Um, and so we're each going to talk about kind of like three to four tips that we have when it comes to eating out. Um, so why don't you start off? What was your like first tip that came to mind that, that you think, um, is helpful for what people should know when they're eating out and trying to be either like healthier or weight loss or weight maintenance or any of that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So I have a few. First one that I feel like I use the most with clients is the two P rules, protein and produce. Um, and so we really talk through that when you're ordering. So like looking at the menu, if you're someone who gets maybe stressed out by going somewhere, not knowing what you want, well, you can look at the menu ahead of time. Um, and otherwise just like looking and seeing like, okay, where can I get some sort of protein and where can I get some sort of produce? Obviously the carbs when we're eating out are always going to be easy. You don't have to look far to find those. Mm -hmm. uh, and so finding those other two is important. I think a lot of times too, like, especially if eating out is something that you do really consistently for work or something like that. And you're trying to make some good, healthy choices. Like, you know, you're going out multiple times a week, right? It's not just like, oh, I go out once a week for an occasion. Um, then that's where like, how can we really sort of fine tune this? Um, and so maybe looking at the menu and being like, oh, I saw like this dish serves green beans on mm -hmm. the side, but like this one that I want doesn't, can I like swap that? Um, or always asking for like, do you guys have a seasonal vegetable side or do you have like, can I just have a simple salad? Um, if there's any ingredient you see on the menu, right, the kitchen is going to have it. And so I think like working normally, I feel like servers are so willing to help you um, for the most part. And so just asking and really trying to get those two things in, like, I feel like every client that I work with at some point in the time together that is something we really focus on is um, how to get those two things in. Because again, the carbs are easy. There's the chip basket, there's the bread basket, there's the appetizers, there's the like large portions of all those things. And so it's really about how to get in the protein to help fill you up and how to get in some sort of, uh, typically it's a veggie. Yeah, I agree. I think that a lot of people don't realize like how customizable things are. 
Um, and it may seem like rude or something, but I worked in restaurants like all my life. And a lot of people are always really surprised to learn that I worked at P.F. Chang's. I told a client that recently and she like laughed. She's like, don't they have like the highest calorie food ever? I was like, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But um, I learned a lot about like how they, they even like had a rule where they were like, I mean, the customer should be first. So if they can even like make anything like off the menu, if they have the ingredients for it, they will and will like come up with a charge for it. And when I had a client once and she was a chef and she told me the same thing, she's like, I know from working in a kitchen that like, they always can give me a side of steamed vegetables. So like every time she went out to eat, she was like, I'm just going to order like, as soon as I get to the table, I'm going to order my side of steamed vegetables always. They can whip that up and charge me like six bucks for it every time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think having, yeah, like thinking about the vegetables and really thinking about like creative ways if possible to get that in, um, like you were saying is really helpful because sometimes you have to piece things together because you have to remember that live America and they don't always like cater towards like very vegetable filled meals. So sometimes we can be a little more creative, um, with what we're doing. Um, I think my next tip, um, a big one that I'm always telling clients is just like, make sure to treat it kind of like a normal meal and just like a normal day. I feel like I find that a lot of clients really like hype it up, which I understand it's really stressful and it can be like, so like, oh my gosh, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat over. I'm going to do all these things. And, um, if we just think about it, like a normal day, making sure to eat breakfast and making sure to eat lunch so that you don't overeat when we get to dinner. Cause I think a lot of people don't realize you have hormones going through your body. And when you save up all these calories, um, it doesn't really like work out very well. Like you think it would, like, I'm just not going to eat much during the day. And then I'll spend like 1800 calories a dinner and it'll all work out. But what kind of ends up happening is you get like a really high hunger hormone and it causes you to want to eat even higher calorie food than you would originally. And you will likely end up just overeat on calories for the whole day like that, as opposed to just like eating a solid breakfast, eating a solid lunch with a protein and a produce and some healthy carbs on there. So you don't go over there. And then just also doing, I think the same thing is just like what you said at dinner, just treating it like another meal and taking a lot of the drama out of it. Um, and it's really scary, but I find that clients that do that are always amazed how much better it works. Um, do you feel like you kind of go through that sometimes with clients? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like also something that I do with a lot of clients is asking like, okay, what are you hoping to get out of this meal? And like, nine times out of 10, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to be with my family or I'm going to be with my friends or I'm so excited to, you know, spend this time with my coworkers outside of work or whatever it may be. Like it's normally, yes, of course you're enjoying a meal. You don't have to cook and you don't have to do the dishes, which is amazing. Right. But most of the time it's a social fun thing. And so like, that's what we're trying to get out of it. It's not just the food. And so I think reminding, um, a lot of the clients that I work with, like, you know, remind yourself why you're there and like the people that you're with, the conversations you're having, the experience you're having and the food is all part of it, right? It's not just the food. And that kind of like gives some perspective, which I think is helpful. Yeah. I think a great question. I need to start using that with my clients. That's good. Anytime you get somebody to voice like what they want out of it and then like turn it back on them. I think it's great for behavior change. Um, one time I had a client and she, um, cracked me up because she kind of like went through this. I feel like um, clients in our program, like when you force them to do stuff, it makes them like realize different things. And so not that I forced her to order anything, but she kind of had to with the way her calories worked out. Like she ordered a salad for her husband's birthday. And she was like, you know, salads are still fun when you eat out. <laughs> She's like, it's one I don't have to make for myself. Like 
it's tastier than I can make at home. And I never thought a salad was a fun food for eating out. And now I'm going to associate like eating out with a fun salad where she used to think of that as like a punishment food. Mm-hmm. Um, and still just being like, I can enjoy the people around me. Um, I think that we forget that a lot too. And so I think that's a really great point. What is another tip that you have? Um, so one thing that I feel like a lot of my clients end up struggling with is the, like going out to dinner with a big group. And then there's like tons of appetizers that are ordered. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think if there's any sort of, uh, if you have any sort of say in that, I think it can be helpful. You know, of course, if there's like an appetizer you're dying to get, go for it. But if you don't want something, but you're going to feel pressured, just be like, oh, I'm good. You know, I think I'm already picked out this on the menu. I'm going to get that. Um. So that can be helpful to sort of like avoid those uh, bulk orders of the appetizers. But if it does happen, what I think is helpful is to survey what's there, see what you want to actually have, um, and then keep in mind like, okay, am I, am I about, did I already order a full meal and do I want to be able to finish that um, or at least enjoy it, right? Even if you take some home, then how much of these appetizers do I want to have? Um, And so I think being mindful of it, I think it's easy conversationally, you're just grazing, you're just eating kind of whatever without realizing it. Um, But the second thing, which we talked about this um, with traveling too, I think when we were, uh, you and I and Lisa were talking, but to plate it is super helpful. So like, instead of just like grabbing a chip and dip here, grabbing some nachos here, pretzel here, another dip, another charcuterie item, whatever, to just put it on your plate. And then you can get a better sense of like what is actually on your plate. So I think that's super helpful. Also, a lot of times, like if you are getting any sort of dip, like a hummus or um, even like queso, guacamole, all that kind of stuff, um, or even like, you know, if you get chicken wings and it comes with some celery, like there's typically some sort of vegetable that you could always ask for extra of. I am like notorious for that. My husband always laughs. Like anytime if we get their celery with something, I'm like, can we do a double order celery? Or like if we get a hummus platter and it comes with like a ton of pita and like two pieces of vegetables, I'm like, can we get double the vegetables and half the pita? Um, So there's always ways, like little swaps that you can make um, to be able to still enjoy it. But obviously you're adding some balance and then you're being mindful of the additional things you're going to have for your actual meal. Yeah. I think that's great. I get clients that get really stressed out about the tapas thing. Um, or like, yeah, the appetizers or just the sharing. Cause you don't want to be like mean and be like, I can only have this, which I totally get. And I don't think it needs to happen. Um, but I think I tell the same things like plating it. So you can actually see how much you're eating, um, for that, like portion control. Um, and then, yeah, just also trying to maybe think beforehand, like what's your kind of like game plan for if this happens, like, what is that going to be? Um, yeah, I think I kind of say the same things there. Um, my, I think like second tip, um, I'll go a little bit more in depth on like thinking about what you're going to eat before you can. So this is something I work with, with a lot of clients. I didn't really realize it was so helpful until I started working with clients. So I think for me, sometimes it's hard to like, I mean, I go to a place and I know, okay, like I'm going to order a salad, like this, like these are some go-tos, but I know it can take some time if people are new at kind of living this kind of lifestyle. And so if you know where you're going to eat, I find that it can be so helpful for clients to just sit down and have that game plan of what they're going to eat before. Like, is there a salad you can eat? Like if you want, like, what's that one food that you really want to eat? How can you kind of put everything else around it? If you want to, you know, have pasta, can you like share that? with your partner and then maybe do a side salad or is there like a fish option or um just like it seems like having that 
plan before people go into eating at the restaurant takes that kind of like frazzledness out of it that I find with clients um, and really makes them successful. If you like can plan before, because I've had some people kind of going back into vacation and they're, they don't want to be annoying or they don't want to um, like pester or they don't know where they're going out to eat, then um, maybe coming up with like a go-to list um, of like, if I go to this type of restaurant, I know that this can kind of be there. Cause I just find that a lot of people, when they get into these restaurants, I'm not really sure what goes through their head. I mean, sometimes I guess it goes through my head too, of like, oh, I'm so excited to be with people. I'm just going to order what everybody else is ordering. And then you kind of regret what you eat. But if you make that little plan before, it seems to help. Do you kind of yeah. find that too sometimes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What is your next tip? Okay. The chip basket and the bread basket. I feel like this is a classic. Um, I was talking to my husband before this and he was like, you have my permission to make fun of me because I struggle with the bread basket and the chip basket, Um, which is so true. It's hard, right? Everyone like, you know, especially if it's, I think if we, if it's free, we're like, oh my gosh, I have to have it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think those things, again, like think of it in the context of your whole meal, right? So like, do you want to completely ruin your appetite after you get your free bread or your free chips and then your meal comes and you're like, not even that hungry, right? Which like, of course you can take it home for leftovers, but like you pay to have this meal and this experience. So I think being mindful plating is super helpful again, like, okay, put the portion of chips on your plate, put the bread on your plate, push the basket to the side, um, especially Mexican restaurants, they are like, they refill those baskets so fast, um, which is like delicious. Right. But again, that's like tons and tons of chips. And so, um, you can always say no, like, oh, we're good. We don't need any more. Um, and then, you know, just again, if I'm going to have go to a Mexican restaurant and order fajitas, but I ate a ton of chips beforehand, like then I'm probably not going to eat my rice or my tortillas because I've had plenty of carbs. I'm just going to, you know, eat the veggies and the meat or that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, or like if I'm going to an Italian restaurant and there's a bread basket, but I also want to get a pasta dish, like that's something that I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get really full if I eat all this bread. And so, um, I think reminding yourself, like, just because it's free, doesn't mean I have to eat it. Um, like you had enough money to go to a restaurant and pay for the meal. So if you really want some bread or some chips, you can buy them, um, after, or like, you know, another time. So I think that's a helpful reminder. Um, and then again, just seeing this in the context of the whole meal, even if it might be something that happens before, um, or even too, I know some people they're like, I, I cannot control myself around either of those. So they just, when they sit down, tell the server, Hey, I don't want this, or I don't want that. Um, and then people are super respectful of that. So all of those can hopefully be helpful. Um, and then you can feel a little bit more in control. And here's the thing, like going back to like listening to how you feel, um, if you eat two full chip baskets, like nobody's going to feel good going into their meal and then nobody's going to feel good. Definitely leaving the restaurant because you're going to be so full because you just ate all of that. Um, and so I think going back to like listening to your body, like I love chips at a Mexican restaurant, so I'm going to have them every time I go. Um, but I'm going to be mindful of how much I'm having and in the context of my meal so that I'm not leaving feeling so like icky afterwards. Yeah, no, I think those are all good. I, um, everybody knows I recently moved to Texas and I live in Fort Worth and I don't know if we haven't found the right place to eat or what, but, um, I've think that we will, we just love all the Tex-Mex here. I don't know why we never like Tex-Mex at home. I think it's because everybody gets so excited about it. 
And the chip accident has really been hard for me. <laughs> like, because it tastes so, and they're, they're all of their text mix I find is like taste so much better at home. So I'm like relearning how to really navigate that too. Cause with yeah. every change for me, I have to relearn something. So I think I'm at four months. I'm finally at my breaking point. I'm like, I gotta, I can't, cause I keep leaving literally just with a stomach ache. Yeah. And I know like what you're saying, like a lot of it comes down to like, just how you feel after. And it's like, when I think about like, when I have the quack and the, um, and the queso for me, my new strategy is like, sometimes that's good, good enough for my meal. Like if that's all I really need and that's what I really like eating out. Um, I like when I go to Tex-Mas, honestly, I like the queso and I like the guac and those are my two favorite parts. And if that's all I want to eat and I'm full, then that's, that's my new strategy. Yeah. Um, but I have some clients and they don't like the, yeah, they don't like the chips and they are like, I don't know why I eat them. And so I've had some kind of come out on the other end of it. And I asked them like, how were you able to really get over that habit? And they say, they just sit and they think about like, what parts of the meal do they really want? They really like the taco part. And so that's going to give them carbs there. And they don't also need to do carbs with their chips and dip. And they, like you said, they know they don't feel good after doing it multiple times, but I don't think it's something you can really like conquer in the first time. I think it's like constant, like, I mean, it's taken me like, honestly, four months to even be like, okay, this is what I can do about it now. Um, and like, there's always going to be times where you like progress. Right. And you're like, shoot, I eat way too much. I'd like some Tums and I need to take a walk. Right. Um, and so like, I think again, like the, all we can do with those things is use them as learning experiences. So I always tell my clients that like, okay, so what, right? It's one meal. This is like a small little piece in the whole scheme of things. So like, don't self-sabotage, don't let this ruin everything. It's one yes. meal. And then say like, okay, next time, how do I think I could change what I did either before or during the meal to set myself up for success? And so I think reflecting back on that is always super helpful to be like, oh, well, next time I could just do this or next time I need to make sure I eat like a full lunch before going out to dinner because I was starving. So whatever I saw on my site, the, the free basket of whatever was the first thing I ate. Um, and so that's how we can make change over time is like every time coming back, like how can I succeed in the future if this happens again? Yeah, exactly. And that's why we don't just want to fixate on one part of it and why we focus on also exercise and also eating produce so that you kind of have all these other things that will help you if you do, you know, if all these things don't work out and you overeat, like one meal shouldn't make or break it if you also have everything in check as well. Um, so that's why it's important to have like multiple like habits going on, um, I feel like too. So you're not like super stressed out with just that one meal. My next tip would be to figure out what foods are like the foods that you really want. Like I'm hesitant to say like worth the calories, but I don't know how to say that. Just like the food that you really um, want to go out to eat. Like, I think that sometimes I have clients or even myself, like there's sometimes I go out to eat and it's really just to be with friends. And there's sometimes I go out to eat and I'm like, no, it's really about the food. And yeah. so like knowing when those times are, so you're not like when, when it's the moment that's just for a friend, like maybe it's a friend's birthday and you don't even like the restaurant and you're just going to be with them. Then let's maybe be a little bit like lower calorie and just focus on like being that with the friend. But then if we go out to eat into this like $200 sushi restaurant, like I'm going to enjoy what we're eating. And we, I tell that with our other clients too, like pick those times so that you kind of are not always overdoing it on the calories. Cause that can really lead to weight gain when you're constantly pushing it. Um, a lot of times I say this too, with clients, when we look at a meal and maybe a client really wants like a sugary liquor drink, it's like, okay, maybe that's the, the part of the meal that you really like, you know, we don't need to be doing the dessert 
and all the carbs. And if you want like one to two sugary drinks, that's fine, but let's pick like one of those aspects. Right. And I find that clients to do that. Um, cause I always make sure after we've kind of done this exercise that they, I always check and I'm like, did you feel deprived when you did that? Like, how did that be? Like, how, how was that? Is that sustainable for you? And they're like, no, that's actually really good. I love feeling good. I didn't feel like overly full. I feel like I still enjoyed things. And I learned that I actually didn't really like the rice that I always used to eat. So I feel like that's my tip is like evaluate, like not all foods, like we don't need to be perfect on every single food. You can't, but, um, find the foods that you do want to spend those calories on and just like kind of skimp it on the rest. Do you feel like you kind of see that with clients? Yeah. Especially for my clients who travel for work, who are like having tons of meals out, Mm -hmm. we say like, okay, you know, like if you're having one meal out that like, this is a meal I really want to enjoy or going out on a date night or whatever out with friends. And like, I really want to enjoy the food on like the weekend, but then like four or five nights of the week, I'm still going out for work dinners. Then we talk about like, okay, how can we treat those like the same way as if you were cooking these meals at home? How can we still bring balance to these? Mm -hmm. And then that meal that you really want to enjoy with your friends or your significant other, like then you can, you know, indulge in those things more, but how can we bring consistency to those other meals? I think that that can be really helpful because it's hard, right? If that's part of your job, I have had a lot of clients like that. And that's been a huge hurdle that we've had to work through. Um, And so I think just, you know, getting some good game plans in place, working with them individually, as far as like, where are they eating? I've even had a client, like she gave me a whole list of the restaurants that she went to for work stuff. And we just worked through each one of them. Like, okay, you could order this, 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 or this, which sounds good to you. And then she had some options each time she went that she felt confident instead of feeling like stressed about it. Then she felt like, okay, I've got some good choices that I can make. Ultimately, like I'm here to do work. And so like, that's the main focus of the meal. Not necessarily that I, no one's caring what I order, right? Like this is, I can choose what's best for my body. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think empowering too of like, that that can be really helpful of knowing like you're choosing what's best for your body and your health journey. And that doesn't make anyone else's decision wrong or bad if it's different. Right. And so I think having that freedom to know, like I can choose what I want to choose to eat and maybe that's a salad or maybe it's a cheeseburger. It just depends on the day. Right. Yeah. One time I had a client, yeah, the work, the work ones are hard. Um, cause I, my heart goes out. It is hard to have to constantly make that decision every time you eat out. Um, but I have one client one, she cracked me up too. Cause she, um, I find that like people that work a lot have this issue. I don't know if you've had it where like feel a little bit more pressure to drink sometimes. Yeah. Um, and she was like, I'm, she's like, I think I'm making this pressure up. Like I'm and I don't enjoy having a beer with my coworkers. I enjoy having a wine with my girlfriends and that's where I'm going to spend those calories. And that's what I'm thinking about each time. It's like, yeah. yes, exactly. Like it's not a bad food. We just need to think about how to balance it. Um, I think that's a good example of, of how you can kind of execute that. Let's run through some examples for people. Um, on like some go-tos at restaurants, um, that you think of, cause I'm really interested to get your take. Um, so starting with Italian, cause I feel like this trip trips people up. Um, what are your go-tos that you recommend, um, when it comes to an Italian restaurant? Yeah. Um, so one option is like pasta primavera with some sort of protein. So typically mm. you're going to add in veggies and then you'll have some sort of protein. So that can be a really good option um, of like some sort of go-to. Oftentimes there's still like a lean protein or fish option, if that's something you want. I feel like most people want pasta though when they go um, to an Italian restaurant. Honestly, um, I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is the portion of what you're having. So I think kind of knowing, again, treating it like that normal meal, like you were saying, like, okay, if I was eating this at home, 
what would be an amount that would be appropriate to fill me up? Um, and so I think like looking at that and usually if you're going for pasta, that's like half your plate, right? Cause they give you such large portions. And so I think just knowing like, okay, well, you know, evaluate it first, look at your portion say, okay, I'm going to plan on eating half of this and, um, I'm going to check in on my hunger and sort of see where I'm at, give myself some time to like really let those hormones do with their job and sort of see where, how I'm feeling. Um, and then the other thing is of course, like a side salad or side of vegetables is always super helpful. Oftentimes too, they'll send that out first, which is good. Cause then you're like filling up on some fiber beforehand. And then you have a better sense too, of like how much food you actually need. So if you can get in any sort of veggies and protein, do that, the two peas, and then the, uh, I guess three peas now the portion, right. Um, so that can be super helpful. Um, or even like a lot of places will will box up half of it for you right away. Um, so you could always ask the server like, hey, can I just, can you box up half of that for me? Um, and then like you get another meal out of it, which is fun, right? Like you can have for lunch the next day or something. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think that's like what I find most successful to clients at Italian restaurants is kind of just accepting that a lot of it's like two portion sizes wise. Um, so they're like maybe splitting it with somebody if you really want the pasta or um, doing the to-go thing. I think I did have a client one time uh, do like a mussels situation with a side salad. Cause that's yeah. like good. Yeah. Italian food, I think does have like better seafood. Um, so those are my like typical go-tos as well. I think Italian places have like great salads in my opinion. And so that's normally like a go-to, um, what about Thai food? So I don't eat Thai regularly. Do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you tell yeah. me, cause I have, I've heard a client tell me before, like I didn't even try at a Thai restaurant because I know they don't have any low calorie foods. So what is your rebuttal to that? Yeah, that's funny. We like don't go to Italian food that often, but we do. Oh, okay. Probably a little opposite of normal people. But, um, uh, oh, also let me say one thing. Italian, if you get pizza, definitely do a salad, definitely split it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's super helpful. And then like, I typically start off with just putting one piece of pizza on my plate and at least half my plate salad and then checking in on my hunger. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and then just seeing like, sometimes I want a second piece or sometimes I don't, it just depends on the size of the pizza, what's on it, all that kind of stuff. So as far as Italian, that's a good yes. piece um, Thai food. Okay. So two things would be, I love Thai curry. I think it's so good. And typically there's a ton of vegetables in it. And then there's a protein normally, like you can get like a green curry, red curry, yellow curry, and then you can choose, uh, like which one you want, which sort of protein you want. If you want like chicken or beef or pork or tofu, um, seafood, anything like that. And then there's already a base of vegetables. So, um, that's a good option. And then again, they're going to give you typically a lot of rice. And so I just, I just normally do at least half, not more than half of it because it's a large portion of rice, um, to have with a curry. And then you can always ask for like double veggies in there. So like, if you could say like, Hey, I want the vegetable curry, but could you also add the protein? Um, and so just specify, like I want double vegetables. Uh, and that same thing goes for the pad thai. So if I ever get pad thai, I typically get chicken pad thai. Um, and then I add in extra vegetables. So, um, you can, if, if like they're not understanding what you're asking for, you can always just say like, okay, can I just have the vegetables on the side? And then you can just mix in, uh, the vegetables with the noodles and the protein. So that's typically what I do. And then I always split it into two meals typically. So Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Typically large portions again. Um, and honestly, pad thai and Thai curry reheat really well. So it's perfect for the next day. Um, so that's what I typically go to for those. Okay. Okay. To know. Yeah. I don't think I've really ever eaten Thai food out. I feel so, so, so like uncultured. Um, there's like a Thai place in our new area that we live in, um, like our shopping center, our apartment complex area. And I did get the curry. It was really good. Um, and I think that's my do go to, cause yeah, you can really stock it with vegetables and it looks like the broth. I got like a green one. So I'm hoping that had like vegetables. Um, but yeah, the rice can get you. I know from working at P.F. Chang's, it was like fusion, but they had pad thai and it was like literally over 2000 calories <laughs> for the one meal. Um, but it's so big. So, you know, right. breaking it down, I think what you said is a really good strategy for that. Mexican. So I think I'll start this one since I live in Texas and my husband is parents are from Mexico. He's born in America, but, um, I've learned a lot from them. Now I'm not going to be talking about authentic cause we can't really find that here too much, but for Tex-Mex, when it comes to Tex-Mex, I feel like mm, the strategy that I recommend for people, um, is to, um, think about like some veggie options. So like fajitas are typically like a good go-to, um, cause there's a lot of, uh, pepper, like bell pepper, and it's typically like chicken or beef chicken's going to be a little bit lower calories. Um, I've had a client recently to ask for vegetables when they do like guacamole dips. Um, I think that can be easy. And then like, definitely like pre-portioning the, um, the chips, um, chips are honestly that high in calories. I find, I think like 10 or 160 calories or something. So you can get like a good amount, um, and even like chop that in half to, um, to get at least a flavor of the salsa. I mean, salsa is like very little calories because it's pretty much just tomatoes. It's really the chips that kill you if you do it like that. Um, so I think, Fajitas are my go-to recommendation in the winter. Tortilla soup is really good. If you even get, I normally ask for no tortilla chips in the soup. Um, cause I like to get my chip fill in the beginning. Um, so it's pretty much just like vegetables, avocado, and like, um, chicken at that point with a good, like tomato broth. And then, um, the taco salads, I recommend a lot. And then tacos really aren't that many calories either. As long as you're not doing like tacos and rice and chips, like, a taco, um, is really can only be really like 50 calories just by itself. Um, especially if you get more authentic ones with like radish and, um, lettuce on top and just salsa, um, then it can be a good, like vegetable carb protein, well-rounded meal there. If you get a couple in, do you have any other like meal recommendations from Tex-Mex that you get to recommend? Yeah. I mean, fajitas are like my go-to yeah. always. I, yeah. I love the chips too. So I always, um, skip yeah. on the tortillas or, yeah. um, the rice options later. Mm -hmm. So those are my go-tos. We do have an authentic rest, uh, Mexican restaurant here. Um, that's like this little hole in the wall and they have the best tacos. They're so yeah. Um, but they don't serve like any really any other like vegetable side. So mm. normally we end up just getting them for takeout anyways. And so then I can always add stuff at home. So that's mm. typically what I do. So like a partial takeout meal, which is something that I work on with a lot of clients of like, if they're getting takeout or if they're getting fast food, like just get the main entree. And then instead of getting like also the chips or the fries or the tater tots or whatever, any other carb that would normally be on the side, just like have some sort of produce at home. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. That's what I normally do. I think when my in-laws order like from a taco truck, I'll normally like finish it off with an apple or really try to load up on like the, like, like maybe like make a side salad or something. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great tip with like combining a couple of different features if you're doing takeout. Um, what about sushi? I feel like 
every millennial goes to sushi place and struggles. So what is your take there? <laughs> yeah, it's hard, right? Like you go pay all this money, eat all this sushi. And then like an hour later, you're like, I'm starving. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I think is super helpful to start off, well, s- some places will give you like the soup salad to start. So mm-hmm. always opt for that for sure. Or I just ask just for the salad. Um, if you don't want the soup, it definitely is good, but it has lots and lots of salt. Um, so the salad with like the ginger dressing is really good. That's a good option. Also um, for an appetizer starter is getting edamame is really something I recommend um, mm-hmm. because it's got some good protein in it. I think there's like 18 grams of protein in a cup, which is a lot. And obviously if you're having it in the shell, like you're probably not eating a cup full of it, yeah. but at least you're getting a few grams of protein. Um, mm-hmm. so that's helpful as well. And then um, of course, any sort of tempura roll or like the cream cheese, all that's going to be fried extra calories. I always, I typically always get a salmon avocado roll and a rainbow roll. Um, those are like my go-tos. And then you can also ask a lot of places will wrap it in like cucumber or things like that. Um, but honestly, if you're just getting, you know, like one or two rolls, the portion of rice is totally appropriate. It's more just like the lack of protein that I think is what's keeping people full. So um, I think any way that you can add in some protein or even getting something like sashimi can help as well. Um, if you like sashimi, um, that can give you some good protein. So those are my tips for that. Yeah, I say the same thing. I feel like you can easily make my plate with a sushi place. Normally what I recommend, yeah, like you said, is we think about two vegetables and that would either be probably the um, edamame, the salad, or even seaweed salad um, is good too. Um, And then um, you can get protein either with a like a sashimi or making sure you get like, yeah, like the rainbow roll typically will have like a couple of different fish on there. Um, And then you're getting your carbs in the rice anyway. um, A lot of times where the calories really rack up is the more like Americanized ones. Yeah. Like the fried, the cream cheese. Cause once I had a client and she was like, I think the calories of the grocery store sushi is like incorrect. It said it's only like 150 calories for a small roll. I was like, no, that's sushi's really not that bad. If it's just the rice and the fish and the seaweed, it's when we add a bunch of stuff to it. add the yum yum sauce like all the spicy mayo like that stuff can bring the roll up to like 300 calories um another technique that I use with clients if that's like um maybe a meal they're meeting a friend with so it's not like a foodie event it's like maybe like halfway is maybe like pick a roll that you really like like you don't care about the calories if you want to do the fried cream cheese all the stuff then go for it and then just try to be a little leaner maybe on the second roll like maybe just use sashimi with some seaweed salad um that's like my personal favorite hack is I um, identify the flavors I like in sushi and just try to order them externally. So like, I love the seaweed salad and I love just like salmon and doing that together tastes like a um, roll in and of itself for me. I feel like I don't even need the rice or the cream cheese and stuff, but then it's sometimes fun to still go all out on another um, roll just for fun. Um, And that's what my clients can do. So you can still get a lot of vegetable options at sushi places. And I think people forget about them. But I think that is it. I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff. I feel like there's still so much I probably could have said about eating out because it's so complex, but maybe we'll just do another episode. But I think this was super informative and I hope people find it helpful. So thank you so much for joining us, Catherine. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. 
If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode. Thank you.